everyone. This is Michael Wilson from Queensryche, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks with John Caddick. What's up, everybody? This is Sully Erna, and you are tuned in to Iron City Rocks. How you doing? This is Rob Balducci, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 112 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh's rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music scene. Episode 112, we've got two special guests. First, we're going to be talking to guitarist of Queensryche, Michael Wilton. Michael is one of the original uh, founding members of the band. He started with Scott Rockenfield, Jeff Tate, Freddie Jackson, uh, and Chris DeGarmo, who uh, subsequently left the band, has been replaced by a couple different guitarists who have taken his place. They have a new album coming out June 28th called Dedicated to Chaos. It'll be on Loud and Proud Roadrunner Records. Uh, you can pick that up, I imagine, just about anywhere. And we got a chance to talk to him not only about Queensryche, but a couple other side ventures, including the band that we will be featuring first called Ratchet Head, which is Michael's uh, kind of side project up there in the Seattle area. Uh, we talked with Michael about his uh, beer making and some other side projects as well. Also joining us on the show from Favored Nations Record, which is Steve Vai's uh, label, which features a lot of extraordinary guitar players. We have a, a new guy for you to check out. His name is Rob Balducci. Uh, unfortunately, he was scheduled to do a show in the Pittsburgh area, which had to be uh, scrapped through no fault of his own. Uh, but we still wanted to give you the opportunity to learn more about Rob uh, if you're a fan of guys like Steve Vai, Joe Satriani, then Rob will be right up your alley. So without further ado, we're going to get into a track from Ratchet Head. This song is called Coming For You. Uh, it is available at uh, whipnation.com. And then we're going to play just a tiny taste of the new single from Queensryche called Get Started, just to get you in the mood to go buy the record. And then we'll get an interview with Michael. <laughs>
Ladies and gentlemen, from the band Queensryche, I'd like to introduce Michael Wilton. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you so much for calling. Hope everybody's doing fine out there. Yeah, we're doing great. Um wanted to talk to you. You were just literally days away from the uh, new album dedicated to chaos. Uh, wanted to talk to you about the recording process uh, of the album and uh, get uh, kind of your take on, on the new material and also talk to you a little bit about the band's touring that you're going to be doing. Did you do this out in Seattle? Yes, we did it out in Seattle. Uh, we started uh, yeah, last year, last fall sometime, okay. putting it all together. And do you play all the guitar on the album, or um, are you kind of sharing the duties now with Parker? Uh, you know, we all kind of collaborated on it, and, uh, you know, it was uh, just a collaboration of a bunch of guitars. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, whatever... Uh, you know, fits and works in the song. That's kind of the way it goes. Yeah. No, I, I um, as I but when I first listened to the album, I was like, this this didn't sound like to me, uh, you know, what you know, kind of envisioning Queensrÿche to sound like. But I, I'll admit, in the last three days, I've listened to the album six times now, and the material really does grow on you. And I think somewhere online, it, it was referred to as an album to be experienced for headphones, uh, and I think that certainly nails it for this album. It's not a a casual casual listening album. Um, was there a particular direction you guys took with this, or was this a deliberate attempt to kind of change things up a little bit? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a departure uh, from the previous album. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we all just basically uh, decided to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of been the forte of Queensryche over the years. Certainly. Kind of yeah. Do 180s you know, in degrees and, and do something different. And, uh, so yeah, it was uh, just a kind of a, a new experiment. Sure. Now, you're going to be heading out on the road. Um, you're, you've got the enviable and, and maybe unenviable task of opening for Judas Priest in Europe. Um, is this something you guys are really looking forward to kind of going out there with on their, on their Epitaph tour? Yes, that starts in mid-July. And, you know, I'm really excited about that. Um you know, I'm good friends with, with Glenn. And uh, recently when we were just over in Europe doing some festivals, you know, we uh, opened up for Judas Priest, and I got to meet uh, Richie, the mm-hmm. fill-in guitar player for K.K. Downing. Sure. Um, great guy. So uh, yeah. I really love the band, and uh, it's, it's really amazing hanging out with them. Yeah, now, when you and, and Chris kind of got started, uh, God, it's been almost 30 years now, uh, were KK and Glenn, you know, in kind of that role model when you guys were trying to develop the two guitar sound of Queensryche? Oh, definitely. Um, back uh, in the formulative years, you know, when Chris and I, I mean, it was kind of let's let's do a, a dual guitar situation and let's you know try and take it to our own direction and move it a step and you know hopefully in something originality and uh, that you know that was a uh, uh, a great pair yeah. to always listen, you know, and as well as, you know, the the guys in Maiden. But, sure. Uh, you know, for, for the old schoolers, definitely, Sin Lizzy. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah you, you and uh, Chris, certainly, uh, I think t- to my generation, which was maybe a little bit uh, a little bit too young to appreciate Maiden when they first came around, you guys kind of were the, you know, for us, the first band to kind of come out and do some of those dual leads and things like that. Uh, uh, you know, Queen's Acre always, to me, seemed to have a European almost 
uh, flair to it, which which made you guys certainly unique. Um, now you guys are going to be bringing it's hard to believe the 30th anniversary tour uh, you're going to be doing later this summer. Do you want to talk a little bit about what's going to the set list will comprise of? Well, yes. Um, for your listeners, uh, Queensrÿche is by that time will be a band that has been around 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Just, just for your information on that. And then, um, the, uh, the, the 30-year tour basically is that, you know, we kind of all got in a room and said, you know, why don't we, uh, you know, we've got 12, 13, whatever records. So let's, let's try and, you know, bring, uh, at least a, a couple songs off of each record. And, um, you know, so that, that was kind of the premise and the, the, the idea. Um, so that, that's kind of the idea of the 30-year tour we're going to, Try and play something off of every record, at least, you know, and then, and then we're, we're, uh, you know, trying to make it kind of just a special tour. Uh, want to incorporate some new, uh, uh, you know, visual candy that will, uh, uh, be on the, on the tour and, you know, it should be a, a hot summer. Yeah, yeah. It looks, now, will that be like kind of an evening with or will you guys be just doing a, like a 90, 120 minute set? Do you know? Yeah, usually it's, it's, you know, ninety or a hundred. It's it's okay. right around there. And okay. I know for a fact that uh, on some of the shows there will be a, a, an opening act. Okay. Um, yeah, it's rumored to be uh, some band from Ireland. That's okay. Yeah. Um, now, are you still you're still with ESP, obviously, but are you still using uh, Crank for amplification, or are you using something else in your arsenal now? Yes, I've been with a, a, a number of. Uh, you know, guitar amplifier companies, and uh, uh, basically, I, I met with the guys from Crank there in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and I just like the quality of the amp, and I like that it's it's made in America, and that it, it's built you know really really well, and it, um, it it sounds like what I want, and you know the sound I want obviously is I'm old school, I like kind of the you know, the, the British amp with on steroids. Yeah. And uh, that, that's kind of what the Crank uh, 1980 does. And uh, it's a real versatile amp. It's a really good clean sound, so I can get that classic uh, crystal uh, mm-hmm. glassy clean sure. sound. So, and, uh, you know, it's just well made, you know, all tube. Um, uses big 6550 tubes, and it's just okay. got a lot of power, and sure. it's 80 watts, and it's as much power as you'll ever need. <laughs> sure. Now, you have been with ESP now, it seems like, forever, um, and you've always been kind of known as, as the guy with the black guitar with the skulls and the really cool inlays, uh, and I know you use Les Pauls quite a bit. Is that is your guitar selections changed at all more recently? I noticed some Telecasters and things like that on your... Uh, in your arsenal now? Uh, well, I mean, personally, I, you know, which I don't take out on the road, but, you know, back in the early 90s, um, you know, I kind of got that that shopping bug for guitars and mm-hmm. got a few. And you can see them on my website, michaelwilson.com. Um, but, uh, you know, predominantly for the last, you know, 10 years, I've really been using the uh, ESP guitars um, live, you know, got them to, to make some really good quality constructed guitars mm-hmm. um, and yes the the uh, 
the black strap with the, the glow in the dark skulls. That's that's one of my signatures that yeah. I take on the road. And then I have another one that's it's got a beautiful uh, heinous looking demon on it. Yeah, I saw that on ESP's website. Uh, yeah, so and that that one is uh, uh, one that I take out on the road. Um, but when I'm home and when I'm in the studio and jamming, I I, I tend to use uh, you know all types of guitars. Sure. I, I do have a lot, a lot of Les Pauls. I have Les Paul types, which actually are ESPs from Japan called Edwards, which are really good. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's uh, uh, I've got all the the other uh, companies which uh, sure. you know, make great guitars. So sure. yeah, I've got a palette of, uh, of diversity. Right. I like to Toys. try lots of different guitars. Sure. Now um, you've got. Um, a couple projects in the works aside from Queensryche. Uh, foremost in my mind is Ratchet Head uh, with a single coming for you. Would you want to talk a little bit about what, what Ratchet Head is? Sure. Ratchet Head is just an uh, incarnation that happened in, in the uh, local area of Seattle, Washington, where I live. And uh, it's kind of a, uh, a project band that uh, um, using, you know, local guys. So, uh, when we have the chance, you know, we can we can go do a few shows and just have fun and jam mm-hmm. and, and you know crank out some really really um, you know heavy stuff. Um, and uh, you know that that's just about finished. You know, I've, I've gone through different uh, incarnations of it, uh, you know, with different different members, and uh, you know to fit the the style. And you know, we're we're about ten tunes into it, so it's. Yeah, it's something you know I got to weave in in between my day job, so it's like sure. uh, it's going to take time. I want to make sure you know it, it's it's right. Yeah, now that's available at uh, Rat Pack Records. Is is Rat Pack Records? Uh, you're you've got a couple things going on that website. Is that, are you actually involved in Rat Pack Records, or are they just the label that carries Ratchet Head? Yeah, Rat Pack Records is is run by a, uh, a friend and. Yeah, that, that's all separate from me. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the conduit where everything goes through. Sure. And we do a lot of other promotional things and um, a couple other, you know, my business ventures I run through there as well for for marketing and promotion. But okay, yeah, that's you know, it's uh, net. That kind of takes you right there to. Yeah, everything that's going on. Lots, lots of great stuff on that. Yeah, you've got clothing line, uh, whipware. You've got uh, whip ale, uh, beer. How did you get involved in beer making? Was that just a hobby that turned into a venture, or? Uh, you know, I, I had I had done some beer crafting, you know, years and years ago, but then this just kind of fell in my lap. And uh, uh, one of the local uh, microbreweries in the Seattle area wanted to. Uh, to appear and just kind of, I kind of came up with a, a recipe and mm-hmm. went from there. And then you just refined it and it took off. And then, you know, had to unfortunately move to a, a bigger brewery, so um, which is good. And uh, you know, we've just restructured it now, so we're we're going to get it uh, hopefully um, in a ten-state deal. And uh, you know, we'll be at some some. Tasty beverage houses, you know, on the East Coast. I know, mm-hmm. so we're working working on that. Got to do all the paperwork and the uh, uh, 
Yeah. You, know, you gotta abide by the state laws and everything for alcohol. So it's, yeah, I, I, I know it's a bit of a task, but you know, once once we pay pay the man, you know, we'll be able to get that in, and it's a really tasty pale ale, and everybody should enjoy it. Now, um, I know you you've got beer. I know Jeff on his website has got wine. Uh, you guys have got quite a bevy of beverages to keep you keep your uh, interest. Um, the clothing yeah, line. Um, did, did you... Yeah, the clothing line, you know, it's like, it's, that kind of was just a promotional item that, you know, that kind of took off a bit. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of just a, a promotional thing that we do here and there. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not really, you know, heavily pushed or anything. That's the, the whole clothing industry. It's like, it's, it's so competitive and sure. it's, uh, so it's, you know, not a whole lot of time and input is put into that. It's more of just kind of a fun thing. And, um, you know, we just kind of grow very slowly, exponentially on that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was uh, actually uh, about 10 or 12 years ago, I had a guitar tech, and he was noticing some some females in the front row at one of the shows. And he goes, hey, Whit, man, you you should lay, get a shirt, you know, and call it, give it to those girls called whiptresses. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that's that's kind of how it was born. And it was just a, a fun thing. And then, you know, now over the years, it's just, uh, it's a little, we do a little bit each, each year. Yeah. How, how did you come up with the, the nickname Whip? Did that, uh, has that been around for a long time? Yeah, it's been around for a real long time. So, um, Back when I was in my teens, um, you know, going to school and everybody was learning, that was learning guitar kind of hung out together, you know, because there weren't computers back then and there weren't, you know, tablature and everything. It was all, everybody had to learn everything by ear, so we'd all hang out with each other and try and learn stuff off the uh, the record players. And this this one guy, his name's Adam Brenner, he's known as Adam Baum, okay. um, he just said, you know, God, you whip on the guitar. And then it was, uh, it's just, it just became, it just, you know, kind grew of like a virus. And it was just like, people just started, hey, whip. They started calling me whip. But, you know, I'd go to keggers and people would call me that. Yeah. And it just kind of grew. There you go. Now it's now it's a clothing line of beer. Um, you can't go wrong there. So, yeah. Um, one question I had for you, and this goes back to, I think, the, the day I first saw you guys on MTV uh, many, many moons ago. I think it was the Gonna Get Close to You video. Um, looking back at the umlauts over the Y, um, good idea, bad idea? You know, it could be perceived in both ways. Um, obviously, we were we were young at that point, yeah. and we just wanted something that looked cool and European. Um, you know, little did we know that it you know, changed the... The, the sound and the pronunciation of, of Queensryche. So yeah. you, you go to those countries where the umlauts are used a lot, you know, and they go, oh, yes, we love Queen's Rouge. Yeah. We're from Queen's Rouge. <laughs> you guys had such a unique look. I mean, especially for that time, I remember between the umlauts, uh, we we were trying to figure out how to pronounce it. We kept calling you guys Queensker because we had no idea how to pronounce it as, as American kids. And, and Honestly, Jeff's hair in the first in that video in particular, we're like, well, this guy looks like he's from another planet. And I'd never seen Jeff spelled that way. And we used to call him Geoff because we had no idea. You know, there's this 
operatic singer with this crazy hair and this band with a funny spelling. And uh, you know, we had butchered it all. You know, it was until Minecraft when, you know, you guys got to be a little more mainstream on some of the, the metal shows where we found out we were pronouncing everything wrong. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, you know, um, when an artist has a, a, a career or a career span, something like what Queensryche has, you know, the, the individuals in the band tend to go through phases. And, uh, uh. Um, you know, it's... Uh, especially uh, in the in the clothing and the in the in the style, um, yeah. As far as hairstyle, <laughs> you know, you you know it is what it is. You know, you just got to be yourself, and um, you know, if the world doesn't like it, fine. But yeah. it's like it, people just have to go through these these times. And sure, uh, you know, everybody always asks me, "Hey, would you go back and change the way you look?" You know, no, you know, it just. It, and it is what it is. Oh, yeah. And in 1984 and 1985 and stuff like that, that wasn't, you know, it didn't look odd, really. It was just different. You know, and the bottom line is it's like our whole idea was like, let's just let the music do the talking. Sure. You know, let's, let's let the music speak for itself. Yeah. I'm not, uh, if you had the opportunity to see Rush's uh, Beyond the Lighted Stage documentary, it was enjoyable to listen to Geddy Lee kind of make fun of his own hairstyles. You know, he referred to his hairstyle from the 80s as the coonskin hat. You know, it was, you know, every, everyone looked like that, so. Yeah, many styles for the 80s. You sure. Know, let's, I'm sure we, we tackled a bunch of those. Um, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big, big fan of Rush. Uh, you know, they're a big influence in, in my playing and, you know, my way of thinking. Sure. That's really cool. Yeah, so. Yeah, I've seen that show. That's that. That brought me to tears. I mean, it's it's so real. It's what a, what a great uh, video movie. I mean, yeah, yeah. Sam Dunn and company make uh, great films. But, uh, all right. Well, you take care, and we'll see you down the road, man. Take care. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. From the depths of hell, Rob Zombie and Slayer. Promo West North Shore presents Slayer and Rob Zombie together. Saturday, July 23rd, Stage AE Outdoors. Doors open at 6 p.m. Double Edge, the king of the corpses, Rob Zombie. A mega meteorological experience with Slayer. Two full sets, Saturday night, July 23rd, at Stage AE Outdoors. People of Earth, prepare yourself. Tickets are on sale now at all Ticketmasters. Charge of 1-800-745-3000 or online at Ticketmaster.com. For more info, go to PromoWestLive.com. Produced by Promo West North Shore. All right, special thanks to Michael Wilton and all the folks at Ratbat Records for making that interview happen. It was uh, quite enjoyable to talk to someone who I've uh, been a big fan of for quite a long time. So big thanks there. Hey, uh, while I'm thinking of it, ironcityrocks.com forward slash contests, or you can just go to ironcityrocks.com and click on contest. We have got currently six concert concert contests that are going to be ending all very soon, actually. We have got uh, two tickets to see 311 and Sublime at uh, Stage AE. We also have a pair of Poison Motley Crew New York Dolls tickets for Stage AE. 
Leonard Skinner at Stage AE, the Goo Goo Dolls with Michelle Branch at Stage AE. Also, two tickets to see Amana Marth, who had been guest on the show not all that long ago. Going to be bringing two sets of music to Mr. Smalls. They're going to be doing the, uh, I believe, the new album in one set and then another set. Uh, so is this going to be an evening with Amana Marth? Also, if you go to facebook.com forward slash Iron City Rocks, uh, under the events, we have a um, show there. It's listed as The Children of Bodom, Devin Townsend, and Septic Flesh. If you RSVP to that show that you're going, you will be entered to win the T-shirt of your choice from Children of Bodom at the merch booth that night. So go ahead and enter that. that please note that does not include tickets to the show, just the T-shirt itself. But as many of you know, the T-shirt's 35 40 bucks at a show. So... Certainly worth your time to enter if you're going to be going to the show. So, without further ado, we are going to play a song called Friction from Rob Balducci. Rob, again, is on Favored Nations Records, which was founded by guitarist extraordinaire Steve Vai. Uh, Rob is not an incredible departure from Steve's playing. Uh, He's got a lot of Joe Satriani in his lead work as well. So, uh, our colleague Aaron had the opportunity to do a pretty lengthy conversation with Rob, a very interesting guy. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, he was scheduled originally to play in the Pittsburgh area. I believe it was July 2nd, uh, but that show has been canceled due to some circumstances that had nothing to do with Rob. That show was actually Rob, Joe Stump, uh, and some local bands, and I'm not exactly sure what happened, but uh, way out of uh, Joe's control and Rob's control as well. So hopefully we'll get a chance to see Rob in the Pittsburgh area very soon. Uh, we still felt that it was worth introducing you to Rob's uh, great musicianship. So uh, without further ado, we're going to play a song from his latest album. This is a song called Friction, and then Aaron is going to talk to Rob.
Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome to our show today Rob Baladucci. Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Great, great, Rob. I'm glad you could take time out of your touring schedule to be on the uh, show with us here today. Oh, no problem. Thanks a lot. So for our listeners who don't know, Rob is a guitar player, and he is quite a guitar player. He has his current um, album that he's supporting right now called Violet Horizon, and he should hopefully be coming through the Pittsburgh area sometime in the near future. We're hoping to see him here, get a show in, in here with him. Um, so Rob, for a little bit of our, well, I guess for our listeners who aren't familiar with you at all, could you tell us a little bit about your style? Um, I'm basically, uh, you know, an instrumental guitar player. I've been, I've been doing this for a long time. Um, this Violet Horizon record is a new record that I have out that's on Steve Vai's uh, Favorite Nations label. Um, I actually have, this is my third record for, for, uh, for Steve Vai's label. Um, and I have one that my first baby was released in actually 1995, which was on a Sony, dist- Sony distribution label. So, you know, I've been, I've been doing it a lot. Um, and I, I would describe it as, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it, it actually runs the gamut, but it's, it's hard rock, heavy metal, you know what I mean? If I had to put a, if I have to have to put words on it, maybe like, you know, Steve I meets, uh, Dream Theater on Acid or something like that. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's definitely musical. It's, you know, a lot of times, a lot of people try and talk about when they think about instrumental guitar music, they kind of like try and throw it into the bag and they say that it's like shred and they put all the stuff on it. But really, my, my main concentration is songwriting. So a lot of my music, even though it's instrumental, it's almost like the guitar is taking the place of the vocal. And, uh, you know, it's very melodic, so, you know, you're going to be able to listen to it and you're going to be able to hum the, the, the melodies back, which is, which is one of the things that I, I try and concentrate on. Well, i got to tell you, Rob, I completely agree with that statement that you just said there about being very melodic and focusing on the songwriting, because as I sat down to listen to the record, um, i got to tell you, I was so impressed with your, not just your guitar chops, because, I mean, you're a heck of a guitar player, and I can't wait to talk to you about that, but just your ability to write a song and write a complete song. And it's exactly what you said there about those singing melodies coming through in your guitar. It's it's just like a voice. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, I'm I glad you picked it. up on it. Absolutely loves it. Really enjoy the record. So let's talk about a little bit about where you started. Um, when did you pick up the guitar? Why, why did you pick up the guitar? <laughs> well... I picked up the guitar probably, you know, in my, I was probably like, I would think like 11 years old. Um, I have uh, an older sister of mine that, uh, I have three older sisters, so I'm the, I'm the baby of the family, so all my sisters are into all this music and stuff, and so I was introduced to like Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones at like a very early age, and uh, my older sister used to play guitar. She had an acoustic guitar laying around, she started showing me chords and stuff. And, you know, that was probably around, like, 9 or 10. And I started to, you know, not not take it too seriously. And then, I don't know, something, you know, it's weird. It's 11, 11, 12 years old. Like, a lot of things basically happened in my life. You know what I mean? I don't talk about it too much. But, like, for instance, um, you know, I I basically came down with juvenile diabetes, which I'm not you know, if you guys are familiar with that or not. But basically it's type 1 diabetes, and you have to you have to take insulin and all that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a pretty, you know, big thing for, for a, a, a young kid to go through. And uh, at the same time, I kind of hooked on to this guitar thing. And I think it was really like a thing that was meant to be because, you know, when you get such, when you get news like that, you know what I mean? I kind of like almost used the guitar 
to kind of escape, you know, what was going on. And I, I really drove myself to practice a lot and, and, and uh, you know, used it almost as, a, as like an escape. So I really practiced a lot. And, you know what I mean, from like 11 to like 15 years old, I really practiced and, and I got a lot of my stuff down, even to the point where I started teaching at local shops around that uh, around like 15 16 and i've been i've been teaching ever since wow well well you definitely took an experience that could have been not so great and turned it definitely into a positive then yeah no no definitely for sure you know what i mean you know i, I tell you the truth like a lot of people talk about stuff and you know like with anything that that that's it's uh that takes um you know, it takes discipline to learn anything, whatever instrument it is, or whatever you're into, whether it's music or, you know, whatever job that you got, anyone does. It is a discipline involved, and I think that uh, it actually, you know, it's hor- it's horrible to say that to say like something like that is a positive, but I think it actually, uh, I wouldn't change things because I think it made me very focused, and you know, you have to be very organized when you have diabetes, and you have to worry about. You know what time you're eating and what time you have to be ready. You have to be very focused and organized. So I basically took that mentality and put it towards my guitar playing, which I think was was a benefit. So you know, sometimes you take a negative and you turn it into a positive. Oh yeah, and that's fantastic. So at what point then um, did you decide that uh, music was going to be your career? Well, you know, I, I, I you, you know, you kind of struggle with that. You know what I mean? I, I definitely knew that I liked guitar and I liked music and I was in bands. You know, I was in the bands at a very early age. You know, I lucky to have a family that was supportive of that type of thing. You know, I was so I was in bands with guys that were like, you know, I was 15, 16, they were 18 and 21. So I had to have a chaperone. My father used to drive, drive me to all my shows. Oh, wow. And uh, it, it was it was it was pretty cool. You know what I mean? Um and then, you know, it was time to go, you know, and I was studying. I studied a lot, and I believe in teaching, and I believe in studying, you know, not only rock guitar, but, you know, you study, I studied jazz and um, classical and whatever you can, because it, it, it influences you in different ways. But, uh, you know, around the time of going to college, um, I was just about to go to Pace University, and uh, I don't know, I just said, well, you know, Maybe I should do the music thing. So then I ended up going to a local music college in here on Long Island called Five Towns College, and I took up music, uh, uh, music composition and jazz composition and music education. So that's kind of what what made me go into that direction. And uh, you know, I, I wouldn't change it. You know what I mean? I think that it, that it's a good thing to do. I wouldn't say that going to a music college is what's going to make make you you know play guitar better or anything i think i just think that you surround yourself with people that are into music and it's a good atmosphere um so it definitely you know i don't know if it helped my guitar playing but it helped my theory of an understanding of music a a lot that's excellent um so where was i going to go with this so, like, going back to the music college thing, because I wanted to touch on something there. What do you think you got the most out of out of that experience? Well, I, I, it's 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 weird. I I, I talk about this with because I still I'm a big instructor. To say I still teach, um, and uh, you know I have I have kids coming to me and the parents come to me and saying whether we should take them to go to the music college and well they shouldn't and you know if I had advice. For people, as far as anything involved with music college, to tell you the truth, 
from going through it and being involved in this myself. This is just me saying this. People don't shoot me, but I would say don't do the music college thing and go to a regular college because to me, the music college did not help my, my guitar playing. My guitar playing was there because I was very much drenched into learning myself, and you could do that anywhere. So you can go to a, if you get a good private instructor, you can learn guitar. I think the benefit of going to music college is maybe getting me in touch with musicians and instructors that you know were doing this for a while and putting you in an environment of creative environment where you're around you know talented players, maybe even better than yourself, which I think is the thing that gets you better when you're around musicians that are better. So I think that's one that that's probably the benefit. On the other side of things, I think that part of music and songwriting and, and stuff like that comes from living living life experiences. So to me, that's what I mean. I I would rather do something other than music because I think maybe it makes you it makes you I don't know go through different experiences of life and then you could apply that to maybe help you write songs and experience different things instead of being addressed in music 24 hours you know you kind of get shut off from the rest of the world which which is you know has its benefits but doesn't have its benefits yeah well said rob well said i, I gotta agree with you on that yeah so how did you get hooked up with steve i well here's the thing when i when i graduated uh, uh college i was you know i was in bands and stuff and you know, it, the music is a tough road, and uh, I decided to try and get a job that was related to music somehow. I was still teaching, and I ended up applying to a record company, which was a record company called Important Records, uh, Relativity Records, and that ended up being like, you know, they had Joe Satriani at that time, they had Steve Vai's stuff going through there. Uh, Steve Howe stuff going through this. Well, I thought it was a cool place to work. I could make some contacts. And uh, I ended up working there, and I, was, I worked there for a while, and I made contacts. To the attorney that I'm using today is the same attorney that I met through working at that company, so I kind of networked. And uh, and ended up being, you know, Steve ended up putting his records through there. He put Passion and Warfare through there. Uh, he's actually distributing the stuff for his label through there. So that was my initial contact. I met him through there, you know, and when, after my first record was released, which was distributed through that same company, uh, the, the, it was an independent company that, that uh, put the record out, ended up not going out of business, and I needed to find another label. And it just happened to be around that time that Steve decided that he was going to do his own label. So, you know what I mean? I let it, it took a while. He had, you know, it takes a while to start a label. I told him I was interested in, in it, and he said, well, it was going to take him some time to get it off the ground, and that kind of thing. So long story short, I ended up sending him my, my second record, which I had recorded already, which is called Mantra, and uh, he ended up liking it and said he would release it, and he was going to do a test release in Japan, and he ended up releasing it in Japan, and then we ended up releasing it, or, you know, in the rest of the world. And that's sort of how it... That's how it started, and, I, and, and you know that was my second record. So now this is my fourth. So I've been there a while. You know what I mean? I don't come out with a record every year yeah. um, because uh, you know I don't rush to create a process. I'd rather, you know, again, I think life experiences help you write the music. So to me, and and, the, and that's what's cool about that label. They're not really on your back saying you need to have a record out this year. Next year you need another record. They kind of kind of gives you the creative freedom to do what you want. So which is which is pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. 
So who would you say were some of your biggest influences um, on guitar as you were growing up? Um, you know, it's weird because, like I told you, I was, I, I was introduced to music from, from my, my sisters. So I was, my first influences have, you know, still some of my favorite today. I, I mean, like Rolling Stones was like a big thing for me when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I used to love the Rolling Stones. I remember Led Zeppelin, listening to Led Zeppelin and the songs made the same and stuff like that. And then I remember them, well, my, one of my sister's boyfriends had the Jeff Beck Wide record, which I, which is my first instrumental like kind of thing. And I ended up loving that record. Um, so very early on, it was that. And to tell you the truth, my first, and now I'm remembering this, my first guitar thing that I loved, even I think before I played guitar, was Chuck Berry. I used to see TV commercials with him playing guitar. And I asked my mother, I remember I asked my mother to order me the record. And I still have that record. It's like a Chuck Berry 3LP thing they used to sell on the TV. Oh, my goodness, <laughs> that's used awesome. To order it. So that was like, like the first stuff that really got me turned on. Yeah. And then, you know, once you start getting older, I, I you know... So a lot of you, a lot of like you know what, uh, what was going on at the time. I liked Kiss. I used to like really like Ace Frehley. You know Van Halen. When Van Halen came out, you know I remember first hearing that. That really blew me away. So I, I you kind of go through periods. Um, you know, uh, but I definitely you know Van Halen, uh, Kiss. You know Keith Richards, Jimmy Page. First you know kind of Jeff Beck kind of for first, uh, you know, influences. Then, of course, you know, the, the Saturani comes in, and the Steve Vai, and uh, Ted Nugent, and, you know, uh, I could name so many. Gary Moore. Uh, I love the Gary Moore stuff. I, You know, he recently passed away. Yeah. Um, you know, I really like John Sykes. So, you know, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of things that kind of influence you. I gotta say, I'm glad to hear you say Chuck Berry, because I don't think Chuck Berry gets near enough credit for what he did as a guitarist. Oh, I know. It goes back, you know. That's I think that's where it starts. You know, rock guitar started with Chuck Berry. It's it's, it's a known fact. You know what I mean? I agree. I agree. Did you ever get to hear the um, the record that him and Bo Diddley did together? I don't think I did. I was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because uh, you know Cleveland's not too far from me here in Pennsylvania. Right. And um, so I drove up there and I'm going through their gift shop and I saw this record I'd never seen before and I still haven't seen it a lot. But it's called like Two Great Guitars, Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry together. And you can tell like who's writing what songs and like they're doing stuff together. And I mean, you know, they both have very distinctive styles. So you can hear yeah. when one comes in, the other comes in. It, it is one of the most phenomenal guitar instrumental records I've probably ever heard. I get, so is now is this something that you could pick up in a store? I think so. I know I've seen like on eBay and probably Amazon. I got I got I got I got to do. Yeah, of course, no stores anymore. So you got to. I'll do it online. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's it's just phenomenal though. Like I, I, I've listened to it so many times, and like you can just hear you, you hear the phrasing. I mean, you know, Chuck and the double stops, and, and just the way he right. did that, and and then just that attitude that comes through with Bo Diddley. Those guys and the ah. Oh, just those guys played, man, and yeah. you know, and, and they weren't shredders. They they weren't, no. weren't what, what people hold up today, you know. But they just they they set the groundwork for us, you know. And they, they just don't get the respect that they should. I agree. That's awesome. So, since we're talking about guitars, let's talk about your guitars, Rob. I noticed that you play Ibanez. What can you tell us about your guitar setup? Yeah, well, listen, I've been I, I have the I have the pleasure of being endorsed with Ibanez for a long time, you know. Um, 
God, it's been. I think I started to be endorsed with them when I was when I was young. Probably 1991 was when I first get got endorsed with them. No kidding. And you know, back at that time, you know what I mean. It was a, it was a little it was different than the, the, the climate now, but it you know it says a lot about uh, really all my endorsement companies that I'm with I you know I endorse Ibanez guitars I know I'm going off in the tans but I endorse D Dario strings Demarzio pickups um, those three in particular have been with I've been with them for the longest period of time because it says a lot about a company that gets involved with musicians and artists that are not you know, these huge, big, you know, m- money-making machines, and they get behind young artists and because they like or they see something in them that they believe that they think is good. And, you know, Ibanez has been one of those companies, and I th- still think to this day they are. They they reach, they try and find talent. And, you know, I got involved with them. You know, I ended up um, sending them, like, demo tapes that I had going on, and they actually, you know, responded back, and I got in touch with them. And, you know, I, it's something like it's a networking thing. I kept in touch with him. I kept in touch with what I was doing and I was teaching and what bands I was in. And finally we did like, a, you know, what's called like a, you know, a, a, an early endorsement, which was like a reduced, a, a, you know, a, a reduced cost on product. And, you know, to this day it's developed into a thing now where, you know, I've been, I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be involved with them. And, you know, we develop, I developed like some custom stuff that they do for me. Um, so, you know, I have some custom guitars, you know, my, my big thing is that I like to do is because of recording, I feel that I want to get different woods and different guitars. So when I have a guitar done, I usually try and do something that I didn't do before on the guitar. So for instance, I have a mahogany guitar with a maple top and, uh, a rosewood fingerboard. And then I have a basswood body with a maple top and a rosewood fingerboard. And both of those woods are going to give you a different sound. Uh, especially when you record, you want different things. Um, lately, most recently, you know, my newest guitar that I got is a Swamp Ash body, total Swamp Ash with a maple neck. And, uh, you know, we did a couple of different modifications. Just, you know, I like my knobs and my my control knob down a little bit more because of my picking hands. Sometimes the, the, the volume knob gets in the way. Yeah. And uh, I decided to go with maple on the last couple of necks that the fretboards that I've done because um you know, I always thought back, I was really into Rosewood over time and I started to think back of all these guitar players that I really like. So Van Halen and you think about David Gilmore and you think about uh some of the early Hendrix stuff and Paul Gilbert and they all have maple maple fretboards. So I said, Maybe I'm missing something so I decided to get a maple fretboard and uh I digging it, you know what I mean? It's got a little different sound, it's more twangy, it's a little bit more cut in it, and uh, so I'm, I'm really digging it. So that's my, my, my newest guitar, is a, is a Swamp Ash guitar, uh, sort of like a cranberry burst with a, with a maple fretboard, and it just sounds it sounds really good, and they play, they play really well. That's awesome. Now, are you still using humbuckers, or are you using single coils on that? Well, you know, I'm using a humbucker in the uh, in the bridge, okay. and then in the, in the neck position, I have a single coil. Now, so it kind of, kind of, you kind of get like the, you know, the best of both worlds, sort of. Okay. Now, is it a straight humbucker, or do you do any coil tapping so you can kind of get a variety of tones, or just straight humbucker? You know, I'm pretty simple. I'm, I'm into like a, I basically what I'm into. I'm into like a three, three-way toggle on, on a lot of my guitars. It's, it's a three-way toggle switch. So, 
on the, in the, when it's down in the troublesome position, you're getting the full um, bridge position. When it's in the rhythm position, you're getting the full neck. And when it's in the middle, it's getting like uh, a mixture of the both pickups together, yeah. like half of the of the bridge. And it sort of gives you like a, 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 a little mellower of a tone. It's nice on clean. You sort of get like a chimey, you know, stratty type of sound. Yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of my thing. That's cool, and, it's a, and that's why I was asking about the the uh, coil pickups, because um, I I have a Strat that's a that's all single coil with, with the maple fingerboard, and I just yeah. love I love the way the maple fingerboard just sings. Yeah, no, there's really something about it, you know, and I, I like the thing with uh, you know the other Van Halen thing where you, there's no I have no like uh, blacker on the on the fretboard so it gets all dirty, and mm. <laughs> I kind of like it. Ibanez was always famous for that because I know um, one of my good friends we were in bands together. He has an Ibanez. I want to say it's an RG five fifty. Yeah, and it's blue, and it was when they were big into doing the unfinished necks. So of course, yeah. it just it, it looks so wonderfully worn in and played. Right. You know, and I mean he's had it twenty years now, so it's just awesome right. guitar. They they make they make some really good guitars. They really do. Yeah. So um, how about your amp setups? So we've got the guitar now. What are what are we going into for the amp here? Well, the amp, you know, I've been I've been using a lot of different amps over the years, and in, since 2003, I was doing a show in London, and uh, it was sort of a show that, like, there happened to be some equipment companies, like, uh, that were doing, that had, like, sort of booths set up, you know, that were trying to get people interested in their products and stuff, and there happened to be uh, this amp company called Cornford Amps that was there, and, you know, I, before my set, I ended up trying to go and try the amp out and I plugged in and I thought it sounded really good so I asked if I could use it for my set and I ended up using it for my set and that started the relationship with them so really I've been using this amp called the Cornford Amplification uh, it's they're made in, in England they're all hand wired they're what you call like a boutique amp company Wow! and uh you know, I really I used it on this new record by Horizon. I used it on the Color of Light that was before that, and I've been using it live. And it's you know, it's hand wired. It's you know, just a clean and dirty sound, and it's got uh, you know, it's not too crazy or anything. Not a lot of stuff going on. More traditional type of vamp. And uh, you know, I use either a two twelve bottom with vintage thirty or a four twelve bottom, um, and it's fifty. It's a fifty watt head, and I think with the fifty watt head, I think. I like the sound of 50 watt heads a little bit more because I think it breaks up, breaks up uh, a little earlier, and you're getting more of the power amp distortion. So it's it's, it's a cool thing. I, I've never even heard heard of that line of amps. I'm disappointed in myself for that. No, you got You definitely should check it out. Yeah, I, I I love checking out new little amp companies and stuff. I'm primarily a bass player myself, and it's funny when it comes to bass gear. Like I I've had the same bass for 20 years. I really, well, over 20 years now, I haven't really changed much. But when it comes to me playing guitars, oh, my goodness, I go through guitars like crazy. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about the guitar. And same with the amps. I'm like, oh, this sounds new, different. Oh, this sounds different. It's like getting a new crayon, you know? Yeah, well, you know, there's this big, there's this big thing about, like, if you're serious about guitar and you're serious about, you know, sound and stuff, there's the whole thing, you know, the quote-unquote the tone and stuff. And, you know... I, I, my, my belief is that, you know, if you talk to a lot of guitar players, everyone has their own opinion, but there's one thing that everyone everyone says is is that tone comes from, from your hands first. So that's where it starts, and then, to me, it's a combination of the guitar, 
the type of wood the guitar is, the type of pickups the guitar has. It comes down then to the cable that you're using, to the amp that you're using, and whatever effects are in between, So, and what strings you're using. So to me, it's a big conglomeration of what you're using with your hands, though. Your hands play the most important part, because you could you could be a guitar player, and you can go, and you can play through my rig, and you're not going to sound like me. So if you plug me into Eddie Van Halen's rig, I'm not going to sound like Eddie Van Halen. You know what I mean? Yeah. It all depends on, first it has to do with the individual and then it's a combination of what they're using. I, I'm a big believer in that. No, that's that's awesome. And, and it's it's fun to hear you say about the the tone starting with your hands uh, first. Are you familiar with a band at all called the Texas Hippie Coalition? Have you heard of those guys? No. I, I think you would really appreciate them because their their guitarist Randy Cooper he he has almost the exact same philosophy about everything that, that you do. And we we were having this conversation last year. He said the same thing. He's like tone. It all starts with your hands and followed yeah. almost the same signal chain. Right. That's awesome. Now, how about effects? Are you a stomp box kind of guy, or do you prefer rack effects? Well, you know what it is? I used to be a rack effect guy, and, you know, now I'm I'm really, you know, old school. You know what I mean? I have I have an amp head, guitar, and then I have stomp boxes. And, you know, I've been using, you know, I've been using Morley pedals for a long time. It's another person, you know, another company that I endorse. And, you know, I like in this interview you hear me saying that I'm endorsed by a lot of people. I'm endorsed by Ibanez, Cornford, Diadario, yeah. I'm endorsed by Demarzio, but more. But you got to understand that these are not the, my endorsement of them is because I seek them out, or they we got into a mutual arrangement. But I'm the I'm a big believer in you know because there's this big thing in this industry about endorsing companies and these guitar players out there that are trying to get free gear. That's not what I'm about, and I just want to get that out there. I would be using all the equipment I'm using now, whether I was endorsed with these companies or not, and I think that's where guitar players and musicians have to go first. If you like the equipment and you really love the way it plays, then, of course, try and seek out the company, and not vice versa, try and seek out the company because you just want to try and get an endorsement. It, 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 it doesn't work that way, so at least in my eyes. But, um, you know... Uh, as far as pedals, you know what I mean? I really like, uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with any of these companies, uh, Keely Electronics, which is a, uh, uh, a, a company that uh, kind of mods like stomp boxes, and they have, a, they have their, a couple of their own pedals out. Um, i also really into exotic, uh, exotic pedals, which is another like boutique, boutique amp company. They have a, just an overdrive box called the BB preamp that I really like. Um, again, Morley uh, pedals. There's a company called Maxon that makes some pedals that are, that are really nice, and uh, Eventide pedals, which you know they they were known for their racks, and now they're making pedals. So you know, I kind of like those are kind of the, the things that I'm using now. You know, you go through phases, but um, you know, I'm a big believer in those. I, I like overdrive boxes in front of my amp because I think that it drives the tubes a little bit. Not distortion pedal, but an overdrive pedal. And it kind of, you know, if you heard on some of the CDs, there's some feedback sections on there and stuff like that. And part of that sound is getting like a, 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 an overdrive box to push the amp to get it into those those overtones and that and that over and that feedback stuff. So it's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I love that. Um, so let's talk now about where this tone is coming from in your hands, because there's there's something on the record I wanted to ask you about. There's a tone, and I am not going to do a good job describing it, and it's it's all over. I was going to try and pick a specific song, but it's literally all over your records. 
or just all over the entire record. It's like a gurgling kind of sound. I can't tell if you're smacking the trim. Oh, yeah, I know it's still... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what that is? That's called, uh, that's called flutter. I call it flutter. Okay. Basically what it is is when you're using... Uh, and, and it's good, especially on the... Uh, uh, it's, uh, I like this about the Ibanez uh, trim system that they have on their guitars. It, with a floating uh, trim system yeah. on, on a guitar, because it's floating... And if you have the bar, and if it's set right, you know, which the Ibanez are, are the, the bars on there are really cool and they're set up properly. What happens is when you you play a note, and then you take the bar, and instead of like holding it like you would normally do, and 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 like doing it up and down like a vibrato, yeah. what you're doing is you're taking it and you're kind of flicking it up and then letting go, so the bounce, so the bar bounces up and down. Okay. So that's kind of that sound that you're hearing. And I use I use the I use the whammy bar a lot, um, and I use it for effects, and I use it for that kind of thing. So that's 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 definitely what you hear it. It's phenomenal, and like because I'm listening to the record, going, "How's he doing that?" I wasn't sure if you're using like a whammy pedal, right? Uh, and, and I mean, it, and it's it's so fluent because at first I'm thinking like, "Oh, you've got to be hitting the trim like that," but it's so fluent. I mean, you do it as smooth as like a pinch harmonic. I, I right. can't believe how how you work that into your phrasing. I, I just, it's phenomenal. It just blends right in. I'm like, wow, really caught my attention. Well, you know, there is there is some whammy the whammy stuff on there too. But I think the stuff that you're talking about is what I'm mentioning. That's a gurgling thing. It's like a it's a flutter thing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's awesome. Now, now you've really got chops for days. Like like you you've got chops that just don't quit. But you still have such an amazing balance. With with melody, like you don't play fast just to play fast, like like it's all very tastefully right. done. So, and and I kind of want to tie this in, into the education piece here. So, what have you done to I guess to kind of study to get your chops up to that level? Well, there's there's a there's a couple of things. To, to me, the, the there's there's you got to separate, got to separate, you know, but the. The things that you're talking about. So one is chops. So chops to me is your technical ability. So technical ability comes from repetition of, of things and 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 focus and and discipline and practicing. And to tell you the truth, that you know, as long as you can get somebody and sit them in a room <laughs> and say practice this thing over and over again and play to a metronome and stay there for five, six hours, and then try and do this every day, you should, you'll get the same results. So that part, what people don't realize is technical ability is the easiest part of the instrument. What comes into play later is songwriting and vibrato, which a lot of people forget about these days. Is Vibrato, to me, is what separates the best players from, the other, from, from, the, from, from somebody that's not a good player. So, shop wise, that's basically what I did. You know what I mean? When I was going to school, when I was studying, you know, I would sit at home with a metronome. You know, and I call it the woodshedding years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone has to go through that period. So I get home, I'd sit home, and I get my metronome out, and I would just put it on, and I would do my finger exercises. I would set a timer, and I would say, all right, I'm going to do this for an hour. Then I would say, all right, I'm going to work on major scales, and I'd set that for an hour. Then I would say, all right, I'm going to work on arpeggios, and I set that for an hour. Then I would say I'm going to work on chords, and I would do that, you know. And I would do all this stuff, and then at the end of that whole thing, then I would take a break, and I would say, "All right, now I'm going to play." Just you know, and the good thing about that is, leaving the 
playing and the improvise until the end of your practice sessions because you, you're so warmed up by the end that you're flying all over the place and the creativity is going to be a lot better. So that's a big thing that I, that I used to do. Um, on the other hand, that's the technical part of it. But for songwriting and, and stuff and learning, of course, to me, I'm a big believer in, in learning music and uh, learning theory and stuff like that. But one instructor told me one thing that I really believe is, is the essence of, of uh, uh, a musician is you need to learn whatever you can about music and the guitar or whatever instrument you're in. But once you learn it, you basically have to forget it. That was one of the most important things that I've learned because when it comes to songwriting, I don't use any sort of musical sense at all. I don't, I don't think I'm going to write a song and I'm going to think about it in this key or I'm going to think about it in you know, what I want to do. Really what I'm doing is just hearing a melody in my head or I hear a chord progression in my head and then I work it onto the, to the guitar. That's how you come up with the best thing. And, you know, everyone has their own um, process. And uh, my process turned out to be something that I think works, and I think it works for me, and I think it works for other people in the sense that there's always something that inspires me to write a song. So if, like, for instance, you know, uh, um, if I'm thinking of, if there's this, I'm, I'm married and I have, my wife is Karina, and I, you know, was thinking about her and I'm thinking about our life together, I get that as an inspiration. I have that thought in mind, and then I try and concentrate on that and write a melody or a chord progression. I want to write. I wrote a song about my mom, so I think about my mom, and I think about you know things about her, and then I concentrate on that and I write a song about it. Start starts with a melody, and then I kind of work it into something. I think that if you take that approach, not only will the songs mean something to you, but it seems to me that the listeners pick up on stuff. And they say, wow, that song sounds great. It's so, there's so much emotion in there. What is that song about? It reminds me of something about this. or You know what I mean? So I, I, I think that's a, that's a big thing that, that is a good thing for people to do, and, and, and maybe not enough people do it. Well, I think that's phenomenal advice. I really do. Because, I mean, you're right. You know, all, all the chops in the world aren't going to help you write a really amazing song. I mean, yeah, because we've all heard it. We've heard the guitar players that are, that are you know, just amazingly technical, but then right. the, the record's just cold. It's boring. You right. Know? And, and that's what, again, coming back to when I sat down to listen to Violet, Violet Horizon, um, I, I was floored by how much musicality there was to the record. I mean, yo, you, you are a guitar player's guitar player. You've got the chops. You know, you've, you've got the, all the shredder stuff that I love from the 80s. But man, you know, you you know, you really put the songwriting first. Oh, thanks a lot. You really do. I love that. Now, let's let's uh, last thing we'll talk about here today, and I'll let you go. Um, is education. So when I went to your website, I was what really grabbed me. Um, you know, when I was getting ready for this interview, was just how committed you are to education, to education about the guitar. You've got the video on your site for the, your lick of the day or lick yeah. of the week, I think it was. And then um, what really floored me is on the Violet Horizon page, you actually broke down and, and had separate videos about each of the songs and you performing them. Right. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that and, and about your de- dedication here to guitar education? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, again, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big believer in, 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 in music education and music in general, in, in, uh, Especially with kids growing up, like you know, I, I we, in the beginning of the interview we talked about how I kind of used the guitar 
to to overcome some stuff that was going on with me personally. And I think music in general, I think, is a good healing thing. And again, you know, you keep a child busy, you get them focused on 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 an instrument. You know, they're much better doing that than doing something else. And 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 you know, it's proven fact that music education when you're a ch- when you, when you're a ch- child actually children that study music and 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 uh instruments do better in scholastics than students that don't study music so i think again i think it's a focused thing it's a di- disciplined thing that you can apply to the rest of your you know things that you do in your life whether it's you know your schoolwork or whatever work in general so i think it's really important and uh you know i like teaching i you know i think that i when i teach not only do i help the student, but I think the student helps me. You know, sometimes they they look at things differently in a different way, and you can end up learning stuff from somebody seeing something different. I think that's really important. The thing about guitar players and musicians in general is everyone sees the neck and the guitar differently. So I might sit down with you, and you say, "Hey, Rob, you know, I, I here's that that scale that that you showed in your site, but you know what? I like to do something like this with it on the end, and I like to play it with these two fingers, and I like to move up." Instead of playing the two, the E on the fifth fret, I like to jump up and play it on, you know, the ninth fret on the. You know what I mean? It's your interpretation. Everybody in, interprets it differently, and I think a lot of people can learn from from other people. So, you know, I decided to do this thing on my site where I do a look of the week. You know, sometimes it's funny stuff like this week. It's funny, you know what I mean? I, I went on this rant about microphones, <laughs> so don't judge it on that one. But there's other ones where I go into songwriting, and you know, I talk about how I, my, what my inspiration is for, for different songs, and then I'll go into maybe a technique that I use, and, uh, you know, to tie this all together, is I, 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 basically, recently I hooked up with this company called Rock House uh, Method, and we're coming out with an instructional video uh, where I kind of tie in all this stuff, you know, I, I talk about, you know, inspiration, I talk about vibrato, all the things that I find important about a guitar on this, on this uh, DVD. It was supposed to come out last year, and we had some. They had some issues with duplication, but you know, there's advertisements in Guitar Center now, a musician's friend. So you know, definitely keep a lookout for it for the for this summer. It should be coming out shortly. Oh, that's excellent, excellent. Well, Rob, I won't take up any more of your time. I do want to thank you for uh, coming on our show today. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate. it. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. I'm I'm so glad that you liked the record and. You know, it's good to hear when when people actually pick up on the stuff that you're trying to do, which is which which says a lot about you. So thank thanks a lot. Well, thank you. Alrighty. REO Speedwagon celebrates the 30th anniversary of the release of their iconic High Infidelity album. September 18th, 7:30 at Trim Total Media Amphitheater at Station Square. All those legendary hits from High Infidelity and more. Reserve seats are on sale now at all Ticketmaster locations, Ticketmaster.com, or by calling 1-800-745-3000. Presented by Drusky Entertainment and Pittsburgh Concert Group. All right, again, big thanks to Rob Balducci and also Aaron for doing that great interview. You can check out more at, about Rob at robbalducci.com. That's B-A-L-D-U-C-C-I.com. Also, again, a giant thanks to Rat Pack Records and Michael Wilton of Queensryche for getting that interview. They will be coming to town. Queensryche will be on August 14th to play the Palace Theater in Greensburg on their 30th anniversary tour 
so that's going to be a can't miss to be hearing songs from uh, albums like The Warning and uh, uh, Operation Mind Crime and Empire and things like that. So certainly worth getting a ticket there. You can find more information on that out at elcoconcerts.com or go to the Palace uh, Theater's website. Uh, you can Google that, I'm sure. Also, don't forget to check out our website, ironcityrocks.com. Check out the concert page. Check out the concert calendar page. I'm sorry. Also, check out the contest page. Join us on Facebook. Uh, we've been trying to get a little more interactive on Facebook uh, with some questions of the day and things like that, so we really appreciate all the folks who have been taking their time to jump in and weigh in on their opinion. Your opinion is certainly welcome. So, again, Iron City Rocks on Facebook. Uh, we are no longer on MySpace. Uh, kind of see that as a sort of a dying animal, in my opinion. Uh, we are on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Iron City Rocks as well. So, we thank you for the time and listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.